Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The Amalekites in Scripture are a type of the flesh. And we are to put to death the flesh, the deeds of the flesh. Because if we don't put to death the deeds of the flesh, slash the Amalekites, if you will, then they will put us to death. It could mean our end. And that's the takeaway. I've heard it said this way. We need to deal mercilessly with sin and with the flesh. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Esther. The records of Israel's history play a powerful role in warning us of the dangers of turning away from God. From false idol worship, adultery, or covetousness, Israel suffered greatly for their sins. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us the importance of dealing with our sin with the utmost diligence to avoid its consequences. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Esther chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. Verse 1. After these things, that always means a period of time has taken place and come to pass since the previous chapter, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. So chapter (laughs) 3 begins by introducing us to this man by the name of Haman, who, as I'm sure you know, is a very evil man. And as we'll see soon, uh, he is going to be a very big problem for God's people, uh, specifically for Esther and Mordechai. But uh, there's something here in this introduction Uh, that maybe isn't so visible at first read, and it's a very important detail that I want to point out. We're told that Haman was a descendant of Agag. Agag was the king of the Amalekites, and for those of you who might remember our study in 1 Samuel, uh, the Amalekites in particular were the sworn enemies of the Israelites, so much so that God, through the prophet Samuel, had commanded King Saul to destroy every single Amalekite, and not just the Amalekites, all of their livestock, everything, to wipe them completely off the face of the earth. And lest you think that this is <laughs> uh, disproportionate, and even unjust to command God's people to wipe out an entire people. Let me hasten to remind you that the Amalekites were so evil in how they would set out to completely destroy and annihilate and eliminate and exterminate the entire Jewish people. And this is what we're going to see here 
tonight, but here's the problem. Saul disobeys this command and says to Samuel in 1 Samuel 15.20 this, when Samuel arrives and uh, Saul says to him, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back, listen to this, Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, except for the king. I, I, I brought the king back, the, the <laughs> Agag. Uh, yeah, I know he's an Amalekite, and, but I, I destroyed everything else. And then, of course, we read on that, oh, actually, we, we did take some of the livestock. We were supposed to eliminate them too, but we took them, and Samuel's like, I, I hear the bleeding of sheep, and uh, so, no, you did not o- obey the command of the Lord, and you did not do what you were to do, and you did not completely destroy the... Amalekites, and if that weren't bad enough, you bring back this Agag, and oh my goodness, uh, we just read that this Haman was a descendant of Agag. Here's the thing. God wanted them to destroy the Amalekites before the Amalekites destroyed the Israelites. And because Saul, in his disobedience to the command of God, did not destroy the Amalekites. Now we have the descendant of this very Agag, his name Haman, and he is going to now try to destroy the Israelites. Think about that. If Saul had obeyed the command of the Lord, this guy wouldn't even be alive. We wouldn't even be having this discussion (laughs) so to speak. Now here's the thing. Saul's disobedience, well, it ends up not only costing him the throne as king, but it costs him his life. And here's what is so fascinating about it. He is actually put to death by the very Amalekite that he was commanded to put to death first. Now, Here's the lesson, the takeaway from this, and we talked about this in our study of 1 Samuel, uh, and it has to do with the typology. The Amalekites in Scripture are a type of the flesh, and we are to put to death the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, because if we don't put to death the deeds of the flesh slash the Amalekites, if you will, then they will put us to death. It could mean our end. And that's the takeaway. I've heard it said this way. We need to deal mercilessly with sin and with the flesh because the flesh and sin will deal mercilessly with us. And you have but to know the Amalekites and specifically the horror and the graphic detail of how merciless they were to the Israelites. I mean, it, if you have a weak stomach, it's almost too much to bear. The things they would do, the evil that they would do 
to the Israelites. It's even hard for me to even refer to it, let alone remember it and repeat it, which I'm not going to do. Verse 2. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordechai would not bow or pay homage. Then, verse 3, the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordechai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now, it happened when they spoke to him daily, and he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. Oh, when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Interesting. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. So here we're told that Haman, who is so full of himself, is now full of wrath because of this one Jew, this Mordechai, who had refused to bow down to him and pay homage to him. And he is so infuriated in his pride, so so insulted. How, how dare you? Don't you know who I am? And as a result, he's not going to deal with just Mordechai. He, in fact, it seems to indicate, is afraid of the Jewish people, which would seem to indicate that their numbers were great, and they are a formidable threat, as it were. So instead, what he seeks to do now is to destroy all of the Jews. And as we'll see next, he is going to set out to carry out this demonic and satanic plan. Um, This is probably as good of a time as any to remind you that this started actually in Genesis with Cain and Abel. Cain was demonically possessed to murder Abel because Satan, who is not omniscient, not all-knowing, did know one thing, that the seed of the woman was going to crush his head. That's known as the Proto-Evangelicum of Genesis 3.15. He just did not know which one the seed would come from. He thought it would come from Abel, so he possessed Cain to murder Abel. It wouldn't come from Abel, it would come from Seth. So he has sought from the beginning of human history to destroy the people of God to thwart this seed that would come, Jesus the Christ, that was going to crush his head with his heel. So it went from Cain and Abel and throughout the history of Israel. You fast forward to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is demonically possessed to have all of the Hebrew boys cast into the Nile River to their certain death with the hopes of completely destroying 
all of the Jewish people, all of God's people, it didn't succeed. And it, by the way, spoiler alert, it will never succeed. And, and you can trace it all the way through from Pharaoh to Haman here in Esther, demonically possessed to annihilate, exterminate all of the Jewish people. Why? Because if somehow, hypothetically, theoretically, he could have succeeded, he could have thwarted the first coming of Jesus. Because if he could have somehow annihilated God's people, then the seed, the Savior, could not come. Well, he didn't succeed. And you fast forward into the New Testament. Now he's going to try to thwart, hypothetically, theoretically, the second coming of Jesus. He cannot do it. He will not succeed. So how about Herod, demonically possessed to have butchered, slaughtered, murdered in a horrific way. All of the Hebrew boys, all of the Jewish boys under the age of two, when he learned that the king of the Jews had been born, demonically possessed, the same demonic spirit, the same satanic attempt that inspired the likes of Cain to murder Abel, Haman, to get the king, as we'll see, to issue this decree. Pharaoh before him, Herod after him, and then how about Hitler in the last century? A type of an antichrist, not the antichrist, an antichrist who is demonically inspired. I watched this fascinating movie on Amazon Prime called Denial. And it was based on a true story about this um, author who wrote a book about, and he was, you know, a speaker and author about, and he was a Holocaust denier. And he sued this Jewish lady who wrote in her book that this guy is falsifying historical facts in his denial of the Holocaust. So he sues her for liable in the UK where the burden of proof is on the one that you're suing. Not like here in America, which is why they did it in the UK. And I don't, I don't want to ruin the, it's a very good movie. And I don't want to ruin the end for you, but I will. <laughs> uh, she prevails in, in court. And here's this man saying the, the Holocaust never happened. It, it quoted as saying that Hitler was a friend of the Jews. <laughs> Wow, really, huh? If, if, if that's a friend, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be without friends, thank you very much. But this plan will not succeed. And you, you fast forward past Hitler, and of course there's been plots and plans fashioned and formed against God's people throughout the ages, and I love what Isaiah says, no weapon forged against you, Israel, will ever prosper. It will never prevail. It will never happen. It will never happen. Now, it's going to, they're going to attempt. Satan himself, I believe, will be the personification of the Antichrist in the end, during the seven-year tribulation, that will try to destroy every single Jew, in the spirit of this ugly Haman, and he is and was an ugly man, trying to destroy all of God's people. But here's the thing. God can take evil and make good. 
I don't know how God does it. I just know that God does it. That's just who he is. And that's just how he is. And it's so remarkable how he's going to do it, even though this plan is now going to be hatched and this decree is going to be issued. Verse 7, in the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast poor, that's like lots or a, a dice, before Haman to determine the day and the month until it fell on the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there was a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws, this is so subtle and cunning. Their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. How about that, king? Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. And, listen to this, I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring, sold from his hand, and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do with them as seems good to you. Wow. Not looking good for the home team, is it? I mean, let's be honest. It looks like the fate of the Jews at the hand of the enemy of the Jews is sealed. Wow. It doesn't look good. This is how it ends. But here's the thing. Nothing could be further from the truth. Actually, it's the exact opposite that's true. And here's why I say that. Haman is the one who has just now sealed his fate. He has just signed his death warrant. This is it. He sealed his fate because those who curse Israel will themselves be cursed. This is Genesis 12, 2 and 3. God speaking to Abraham says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. By the way, that's the way it is today. Do you realize how much of a blessing this little tiny nation of Israel is to the entire world? 
Oh, my goodness. And here's another thing, by the way. In the Persian Empire, would you believe me if I told you that the Persian Empire was blessed and prospered because of God's people and the presence of God's people there in that kingdom? I was listening to a teaching, oh my goodness, it's all a blur now, but uh, this last week where uh, a commentator was saying that in Europe they exterminated six million Jews and got instead all of these Muslims that destroyed Europe, that are destroying Europe in exchange. They, they, they slaughtered and murdered and annihilated six million Jews. Uh, these are Nobel Prize winners. These are inventors. These are geniuses that God has gifted supernaturally in an extraordinary way. You know that in Israel today, they can take and make water out of air. You know the technology that we enjoy. Uh, the Silicon Valley, <laughs> uh, the technology here in the United States of America, it's, it's nothing in comparison to Israel. Why do you think that all of the tech companies here in the U.S. are courting and whining and dining Israel? Oh, some of the things they're doing in Israel right now, some of the technology they have in Israel right now, it's the envy of the entire world. And they're foaming at the mouth to get to it. And oh, by the way, we know to be true in Ezekiel 38, that when they invade Israel, this Russian and, and uh, uh, Iranian-led alliance with uh, uh, Turkey, by the way, <laughs> Turkey is now, well, we're going to be talking about that on Sunday. They're already, I mean, that, that's it. This uh, Erdogan is, oh my goodness, It's um, they're going to go to take a spoil. And that presupposes that there's a spoil to take, and there is a spoil to take. A booty, as the New King James renders it, to take. They're going to take all of this, these riches, all of the prosperity that is in Israel today. So... There's something I want to uh, mention here before we move on to verse 12. And I think it'd be good to point out, there's a couple of interesting details here. First, I want you to notice in verse 7 that they cast lots before Haman. And they do this in order that he might determine the day and the month to carry out this evil plan to exterminate the Jews. And it's really interesting because it falls basically 12 months later, about a year later from the day. Uh, (laughs) That's God. Thanks for being part of our time here today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to stay connected with you, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com today. You'll find a link to our Twitter page where you can join the conversation and fill your feed with encouragement. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe, if you're in the area. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website in spiritandtruthradio.com as well as more information about who we are as a community of faith. If you can't join us in person, you can still benefit from Pastor J.D.'s teachings through our online resources at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. 
simply click Listen on the top of the page to find a number of previous messages by Pastor J.D. in various books of the Bible. Along with that, we invite you to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. The Mideast Prophecy Update is a focused look at current events through the lens of prophecy. The Bible has given us clear indications of what's to come, and we can see these events being played out around the world. Join Pastor J.D. each Friday and Saturday for the Mideast Prophecy Update on our YouTube channel, or download our mobile app to have these updates right at your fingertips. Find a link at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has much more to share from the Old Testament book of Esther when you join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth.